Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You, where we'll continue to explore all aspects of functional medicine and good health. We'll help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Now, here is your host, Dr. Camille Vardy. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. Today, we're going to talk about something that is on a lot of people's minds these days, how to survive the heat. We are seeing record temperatures in most of the Northern Hemisphere, and we're not just seeing record high temperatures, but also sustained high temperatures day after day after day. It's one thing for the body to handle a few hot days. It's entirely another thing when those extreme temperatures continue on for a couple of weeks. The body's coping mechanism gets challenged for such a long time that the ability to cope erodes. And that means it can become more likely that we have serious health consequences. So for my listeners under the heat domes in the South and those near the fires in Canada and the listeners who are sweltering in Southern Europe, and most especially for my beloved production team of Healthy Wealthy You who are based in Phoenix, this show is for you. The issue with heat-related health issues is that by the time we start to feel that there is a problem, the situation is very far along and it may be harder to correct. We need to be proactive before any symptoms even occur, before the body's coping mechanisms break down, before it becomes an emergency situation. Symptoms of heat exhaustion can impair our functioning to the point that we may not be aware that we are unwell or may not have the presence of mind or the physical ability to cope with it. So for many people, especially who live alone or spend time alone, there's a concern that we may not be able to help ourselves. There are lots of websites that talk about heat exhaustion and they often run segments about this on the evening news. And I do wanna recommend that you have a look at that but I want to go a lot further. Let's talk about exactly what is going on in our bodies when we get overheated so that we can recognize problems when we get the first hints of them so that we know what to do and what not to do. And so that we can be proactive about prevention in small ways and big ways. And we need to talk about some of the different impacts that can occur. For example, our bodies will have a somewhat different response to a hot, dry climate than they would in a hot, humid situation. And people with different health issues need to look out for different things. So we'll talk about all of those today. And while hydrate, hydrate is important advice, there's so much more to the story than that. The issues with excessive heat tend to fall into a few basic categories, but the issues do relate to each other and can also interact with each other to compound the problems. The first big issue is dehydration. We have a loss of electrolytes and other nutrients through depletion, particularly from sweating. Then we also have the issue of fluid balance and the way in which fluids and blood penetrate the cell walls and that has impacts on blood pressure and on detoxification. We also have a big impact at the rate at which things happen in the body. Things speed up when we have heat. Our heart rate might speed up, for example. With all of this, our heart needs to work harder, and the higher the heat, the harder the heart works. And this can be a big issue for some people. First, let's look at dehydration. This is a parameter that's going to be highly affected by humidity. We'll sweat a lot more in a hot, dry climate such as Phoenix than we would in the infamous humidity of Houston. How much we sweat, how much fluid we lose will make a big difference to how quickly we lose electrolytes and the kinds of problems we see. So dehydration would be more of an issue for those who live in a dry climate. And remember, as we talk about climate, that there can be microclimates. I live in California near the ocean, so we don't tend to think of it as being dry here. 
But until this year, we had had drought for many, many years. So it's been really dry to the point where we rarely even saw clouds in the sky. I also live in the redwoods. That's a special climate because redwoods grow tall because they don't just draw water from the soil. They draw it from the air too. So I have to compete with hundreds of thousands of trees for moisture. Now, if I go 20 minutes out to the coast where there's ocean and fog and only a few redwoods, the climate is completely different. So this is just one example, but I want you to think a little bit about the microclimate that might exist where you live as we talk today and see which category you might fit into. So what happens to our bodies when we get dehydrated? We want to look out for early signs before dehydration becomes a problem because we can only drink so much at a time to replenish and we have to keep ahead of it. So with dehydration, first we see physical signs. Our lips look dry and can even crack. You can even see cracks on the tongue. If you see that, the dehydration is deep and chronic, and you need to change your hydration habits, not just today, but always. Our skin looks dry, as though we've aged a lot since last week. This is important because dry skin is more vulnerable to sunburn and sun damage than hydrated, moisturized skin would be. And it's also one of the most visible signs that we need to start drinking more water. Our eyes can feel dry and irritated, more vulnerable to pollutants. We might even feel eye strain. The nice, moist, protective coating that's usually on our eyes has been affected by dehydration. We can also have shortness of breath, trouble breathing. People with a tendency to asthma can have asthma attacks. The lungs are 80% water by volume. And when they get dried out, the tissues can stick together and it affects the tiniest airways. People with asthma should always be careful about their hydration and should pay particular attention to this when it's hot outside. There is a higher chance of having an asthma attack in hot weather and we wanna take care of it before the asthma attack kicks in. You might notice that your heartbeat is a little more rapid. We'll talk about the effects of heat on the heart and why that's so later in today's episode, but that is a really important aspect of what we're talking about today. If you're someone susceptible to an acidic stomach, GERD, it might feel a little worse than usual as your stomach acid becomes even more concentrated by dehydration. So that can be another signal that can alert you. You might start to notice that your urine is more dark and scanty. There's less volume. And that's because there's less water and the parts we want to eliminate are more concentrated. So that's an easy thing to watch out for. You might also see bowels getting harder or more difficult to move, or we might even skip a bowel movement. This can become serious if it continues over many days. So we want to get ourselves drinking more to be sure. We don't want to end up with a bowel obstruction, which can easily occur. We might start to feel irritable or even angry. We've seen this often, that people feel irritable when it's hot, but it does have a physiological basis. The brain is 80% water by volume, and when we're dehydrated, we don't think as clearly. The neurotransmitters don't do as good a job of moving across the oil-water mixture that comprises our brain and nervous system. We also become less able to manage our body's toxins when we're dehydrated. You can't clean the house without water, right? And rising toxicity levels makes us feel irritable and even angry. You might see an increase in muscle spasms when the muscles get dehydrated. I see this all the time in the clinic when people people are chronically dehydrated. I'll often tell people that they need to go home and hydrate well for a couple of weeks before I can even treat their muscle pain. Dehydrated muscle doesn't respond well to conservative care. The spasms come right back as soon as the treatment is over. So hydration really helps pain management in general. In this case though, we're talking about acute dehydration and we definitely see an increase in pain and spasms. The body becomes more vulnerable to injury too. 
That's especially important if you're an athlete and you're dehydrated. So it's an important symptom. We don't want to create a long-term problem because of a short-term situation like the weather. So these are some of the warning signs. But what happens when dehydration gets severe? We can become so dehydrated that we don't sweat. And then it's harder for our body to get rid of heat. The heat starts to build up faster. We can get tired, so tired and lethargic that it's hard to function. We can become sleepy, dizzy, confused, even delirious. This is where it becomes dangerous if we're alone because we may not even realize what's happening or feel well enough to act upon it. We might have our blood pressure drop. Our heart beats rapidly. We can be at risk for a heart attack. There can be seizures or convulsions if the fluid in our brain and spinal cord becomes depleted enough. If it continues, our organs can shut down. And of course, as we know, heat exhaustion can even become fatal. We see this happen in heat waves, that there are deaths due to the heat. It's important to remember that there were warning signs. There was the recent incident in Texas in which a man and his two stepsons were out hiking in 119 degree heat. That's 48 Celsius. One boy died on the trail, and then the man tried to drive and get help and died crashing his car. I'm sure he was either delirious or his heart failed or his electrolytes gave out and he lost control of the car. Really sad. And I'm sure there were warning signs, but they were out on the trail and couldn't do anything about it. No plan to go hiking for the day was worth that. A big contributing factor, and I mentioned that some of the physiological factors were intertwined, is that when we sweat, we lose electrolytes. These are the minerals that make our neurotransmitters move, that help our brain control our bodies, that activate and relax our muscles, that control the fluid balance in our cells. And that controls the movement of nutrients into our cells and the waste products out. If we become depleted of even one of these electrolytes, to the point that our bodies are unable to compensate, our bodies can shut down. We see this with marathon runners and with others who do endurance sports. They hit the wall. They suddenly drop to the ground and cannot go one step further. If we don't replenish our electrolytes, it can become fatal. Our basic electrolytes are sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium, but we really need all four of them. The good thing is that our body has more of an ability to compensate for calcium and magnesium loss because we can break down bone in the short term if we need to, and then build it back later. It's only a question of whether we can break that bone and access that calcium and magnesium fast enough. But we don't have a reserve of sodium and potassium, and we truly can run out of these if our bodies are pushed to the limits. So if we run out of sodium, what does that look like? We can have many symptoms similar to what we talked about with dehydration. Again, they're intertwined. We might start to feel very low in energy or feel drowsy. Our blood pressure might drop, which would be a concern for people whose blood pressure tends to be on the low side already. We can have headache and confusion, nausea and vomiting. We can feel irritable and restless and have muscle cramps. Ultimately, we might become delirious, fall into a coma, or could even die. All of this from not having enough salt when we're hot and sweating. You can appreciate how important it is to be aware and to be proactive about the heat. If we run out of potassium, it, that is, if we're not eating fruits, vegetables, or beans, we can have weakness, fatigue, muscle cramping, numbness, and tingling, and we can have irregular heartbeat. If the problem is severe enough, it can lead to heart attacks. 
again, such a simple nutrient and so easy to get, but it can make all the difference between life and death in the heat. Low calcium can lead to muscle cramps, confusion, forgetfulness, depression, spasms, stiff, achy muscles, numbness, and tingling, especially tingling in the lips, fingers, and feet. Low magnesium can look like nausea, vomiting, sleepiness, weakness, personality changes, muscle spasms, tremors, and loss of appetite. If severe, low magnesium can cause seizures, especially in children. These are the key electrolytes, and you can see that there's a lot of overlap with the symptoms and also with the dehydration symptoms. And that's because they work together to regulate our nervous system and the activity of every cell of our bodies. So your best bet is to be proactive about all of them in the hot weather, hydration and all the electrolytes. This is one of the most important things because your body will function well until it doesn't. And then it might be too late. It's like running out of gasoline. One minute, the car is fine. The next minute, it just stops, and hopefully you don't crash. There are other nutrients that are lost through sweating. The most important ones are the minerals selenium and chromium. Depleting these can destabilize blood sugar, so this can be a concern for diabetics. Watch your blood sugar more closely if you're sweating a lot. There are some others uh, less critical iodine, which can be a concern if you have thyroid issues, you might see some fluctuations in thyroid function, probably not going to lead to anything acute, but it can contribute to low energy and lethargy. So it's worth mentioning. We can also lose iron, copper and zinc and vitamin C, not critical in the short term, but extra supplementation is good. We're much more likely to get dehydrated and lose electrolytes in dry heat climates, but we will sweat, we will deplete fluids and nutrients in any hot climate. But things do change a little in humid heat because it's more difficult to sweat when it's humid, and that makes it more difficult to eliminate heat. We're less likely to be dehydrated and lose our minerals, but more likely to have our body temperatures reach dangerous high levels. And this can affect our cardiovascular systems and can affect us at the cellular level. The body has two primary ways of eliminating heat. One is sweating. The other is by opening up the blood vessels, dilating them, especially the smallest vessels, the capillaries, to allow more blood to flow through the body. When it's humid and our sweating is limited, we have to rely more on the second method. The issue is that it makes our heart work harder. That's one of the reasons our heart speeds up. Now, that isn't much of a problem for people who are young and fit. But for older hearts or hearts that aren't as strong, hearts that have already been compromised by a heart attack in the past, this can really be a concern. It can also be made worse if the blood vessels are blocked by cholesterol, which means that the heart must push even harder to force the blood through the narrow vessels. In fact, our hearts can work as much as four times as hard in hot weather as it would normally. So if you have any cardiovascular issues of any kind, you do wanna be proactive about strategies that we'll be discussing today. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, let's start to look at how these issues influence specific health conditions and what we can do to beat the heat. This is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You, and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Healthy, Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. 
We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. So, who is most susceptible to feeling the effects of heat and what can we do to make it better? We said that the two ways that our body gets rid of heat is through sweating and through moving blood to the surface to move heat out. So how do we encourage these processes and how do we keep ourselves as cool as possible? First and foremost, hydrate. We've talked in previous shows about the baseline amount for hydration. You take your body weight in pounds and divide that number by two. That's the number of ounces you need in a day minimum. If you're 100 pounds, that means 50 ounces. If you're 150 pounds, 75 ounces. And if you're 200 pounds, that's 100 ounces. And for metric, take the kilos that you weigh, divide that by 30, and that gives you the number of liters that you need in a day. But remember, that's a minimum. And I'm just mentioning that here because a lot of people don't even get that much. They're chronically dehydrated and don't even realize it. So I just want you to have a feel for that. When the weather is scorching hot and you're sweating in the heat, drink as much as you reasonably can and what feels good and appropriate. Truly, the key is to drink it throughout the day. Your body can only process so much at a time, so you don't want to chug it all at once. So I'm not talking about anything extreme, but I am saying be conscious of it all day long. I've heard people worry about drinking too much water and that that can be harmful. So let me address that. A lot of that concern came about because of a radio contest that happened in 2007 in Sacramento, California. They had people in the contest drink as much water as they could, as fast as they could, and they weren't allowed to use the bathroom. The idea was that they kept going and the last person standing won the contest, but one person kept going until she died. She drank two gallons of water in two hours and she, and she didn't use the bathroom. So yes, that is dangerous. Your kidneys can process about one quart an hour. So just stay under that amount. But in blazing hot weather, you need to look at how much you're sweating and you need to be thoughtful and keep pace with that. The issue is that when you drink a lot of water and you sweat a lot, you're also losing minerals, both from the sweating, but also in urine. So those minerals, especially the electrolytes, the sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium that I mentioned are really important here too. I'm pretty sure that whoever thought of that radio stunt didn't give the contestants salt and other electrolytes with all that water. And that was a big part of the problem why it's dangerous. So 
don't be afraid of normal water consumption. When it's hot, when you're sweating, it really could save and certainly is going to make you a lot more comfortable. This really illustrates, again, how important it is to stay ahead of the heat, to plan for the heat, drink realistic amounts over time, rather than going out and doing a really intense workout in the heat, and then expect to make up for it when you get home. Please be smart. Reschedule your plans if needed. Don't go hiking or running or engage in outdoor sports when it's hot. You can choose indoor things and do things with less exertion. Please don't risk your life. And be conscious of the electrolytes. Get your sodium, get some salty snacks. There are such great healthy choices now. You don't need a lot of chemicals or allergen. There are really some yummy options. Sometimes, for example, in the summer, I love to make a light vegetable soup. I'll take some vegetables such as a broccoli, zucchini, or asparagus, and I saute some onion, and then I add water, salt, and my vegetable. And I just cook it for a few minutes until the vegetable's tender. And I add any herbs that might go well with it, such as dill with asparagus, or basil and oregano with my zucchini. And I put the whole thing in the blender until I have a nice puree, and I'll drizzle some flavored olive oil on top. Lemon olive oil is my favorite. And the great thing about this soup is that you get hydration, you get your salt, you get lots of potassium, and it's really fast to make and doesn't heat up the kitchen. And it feels light and cleansing and doesn't weigh you down. So that's an example of a great thing that you can do to beat the heat because it covers so many of your bases. We do want salt. We do want to get our sodium. Now, if you're worried about whether you're getting either enough water or enough salt, just take your blood pressure. If your blood pressure normally tends to be either on the high side or the low side, this is a really good thing to do. Just keep monitoring your blood pressure. It's one of the things that can really get thrown off by the heat and become a problem. Your blood pressure should be about 120 over 80. If your blood pressure is too low, that means you need more salt. If it's too high, it means you need more water. And just in general, if you have blood pressure issues, this is a good thing to do even when it's not hot. When people have high blood pressure, we always focus on the low salt diet, but having more water will also lower blood pressure. I know they often give diuretics for high blood pressure, but having water consistently every day resets the part of your brain that that generates the hormone that regulates fluid. In time, your brain will bring your blood pressure to more normal levels. It does take time and mostly consistency, and you shouldn't change your medications without the supervision of your doctor. But if you do this, you will see the shift if you work at it. In a heat wave, we need to watch that balance of salt and water and keep our blood pressure on a good level. We want lots of fruits, vegetables, and legumes to get potassium. Remember, it isn't just bananas that have potassium. It's all fruits, all vegetables, all beans, or legumes. Then we want extra calcium and magnesium. Our bodies can break down bone to get those minerals, but honestly, I'd much rather take some extra supplements for the duration of the heat wave. I don't want to depend on how fast my body can break down my bones if I'm depleting myself. A supplement's a much better way to go. So we want extra of all the nutrients that I mentioned earlier, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, iodine, zinc, copper, selenium, chromium, vitamin C. A good multivitamin will cover most of that. Although multivitamins do tend to be a little low in calcium and magnesium. So I try to take extra of that too, as well as my vitamin C. I just double down on all these nutrients for as long as the heat wave lasts. Now, please be especially proactive about all of this. If you have any heart condition, blood pressure issues, asthma, neurological issues, especially epilepsy or tremors, diabetes, or any serious illness, 
or if you simply have a more frail constitution. For people with asthma, I've mentioned in the past that it can often be due in part to dehydration. One of my favorite quick first aid remedies is to drink several cups of warm water in you know about 45 minutes to an hour's time, and it really works well. Just keep in mind that if the situation is acute, and you need an inhaler or any other medication for your doctor, my remedy would be something you would do in addition to, not instead of that medication. And if it's really hot, room temperature water would be better than warm water. Usually I like warm water because the heat helps to move the water through the cell walls faster, but in a heat wave, we don't need to worry about that. People with edema, especially congestive heart failure or pulmonary edema, or people with kidney disease can have more of an issue with edema in the heat. This puts a lot of stress on the heart, the lungs, and the kidney. If you're in this category, I also highly recommend that you talk to your doctor about any special considerations for getting through the heat wave and do make extra efforts to just stay cool. If you have diabetes and if you're on insulin, you should know that heat can make insulin less effective. You should consult with your diabetes doctor about specific guidelines. You may need to monitor yourself more closely and adjust your dosage. And don't let your supply run low in case you do need to use more. If you travel with extra insulin, you must, must, must keep it cold while you're traveling. And if you wear an insulin pump or a continuous glucose monitor, sweating can cause it to become unattached. You might even lose it without noticing. And the sensors can be more likely to fail. So check your numbers more frequently to make sure they are being recorded properly. And I do recommend that you have syringes and, and whatever you need just in case your devices fail. And do ask your doctor if there are any additional recommendations specific to your situation. It's important to plan ahead in case you need any extra supplies. If you have neurological issues, especially neurodegenerative issues such as multiple sclerosis or ALS, be aware that your nerves may not be controlling things effectively. Your nerves may not be able to get the message through to your blood cells that they need to dilate and let the heat out. You very likely already know that you tend to be more sensitive to temperature changes. So please be proactive about preparing for the heat. If you're someone with insomnia or sleep issues, you know this will get worse in the heat. There's a reason for this other than just, I'm uncomfortable. At night, when the temperature is supposed to cool down, our body temperature should fluctuate down just a few tenths of a degree. This reduction in temperature signals to our brain that it's time to slow things down for sleep, and it activates our sleep chemicals. But when it's hot, our brains don't make that shift. We stay revved up, and it's hard to sleep. We often have sweating at night as our body tries its best to cool itself down. That's why people with hormonal issues or autoimmune issues or cancer tend to sweat a lot at night. These health issues keep the body hot and the body is trying its best to compensate. So people with these conditions can have even more of an issue with sleep. So one of the things you can do is just make your sleep environment as nice as possible. Nice cooling sheets, that kind of thing prepare and plan ahead and just know it might just be a few rough nights. We do have mood issues when it's hot. Our hearts are beating faster. Our blood pressure is up. We have more toxins in our system. Our electrolytes are off. Our brains are dehydrated and things are not working as they should. All of these things can make us irritable and angry. So it's important to be aware and proactive if you feel yourself being off your game. Now, in addition to all of these specific health issues, we also have a very big issue with medications. Many medications can influence both our sensitivity to heat 
and also to the effects of sunlight. It's important to be aware of all of the possible side effects of all your medications. Please read all the information that comes with your medications or ask your doctor or pharmacist about how they might affect you. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that you go off any medication. I'm just saying that it's good to be aware that these medications may have an effect on how you experience temperature extremes. So you may want to be even more proactive about heat strategies if you're on one of these, or even talk to your doctor in advance to see if there are any personal recommendations for your circumstances. The first category of medications is diuretics. Lasix is the most common one. If you're on one of these, especially for high blood pressure, you do want to have a plan with your doctor for the heat. The heat will affect you a lot. It might be appropriate to adjust the dose in the heat, especially if you're outdoors for any length of time and sweating. If you happen to be in the process of increasing the dose due to your health situation and doing so is not urgent, your doctor might consider waiting until after the heat wave to start adjusting your dose. Now, no one on a radio show can make specific suggestions about your health concerns. I am just advocating for you to reach out to your doctor in advance to have this conversation. And please be aware that all the things I said earlier about hydration particularly apply to you. Another category of medications would be beta blockers. Propranolol, metoprolol, and lopressor are common ones. These can reduce the heart's ability to move blood to the skin and open the small blood vessels to release heat. So they inhibit the body's ability to cool down. And while this will be an issue in any hot environment, it can particularly be important in hot human conditions where our ability to sweat is reduced. Antihistamines can increase heat sensitivity and may even increase body temperature. Decongestants are drying and make dehydration issues worse. These include any pseudoepidrines such as Alarex D, D-Allergy, and more. And note that while herbal formulas containing ephedra are no longer legal in this country, some do slip through and they would be in this category too. Some medications for psychological and neurological conditions can increase heat sensitivity. Adderall for ADD is a big one. Cinemet, Pamelor, and Haldol as well. Now, in addition to heat sensitivity, we also have the issue of sensitivity to sunlight. And some medications increase the possibility that you'll get a sunburn. Some statin medications can cause sun sensitivity in some people. These include Lipitor, Zocor, Mevacor, and Pravacol. And medications for diabetes, such as Glucotrol and Micronase, also are in this category. Pain medications can make you more sensitive to the sun, especially if taken habitually. Aleve, Advil, Motrin, Celebrex, Feldine, and Oridus can sometimes do this. Certain antibiotics can make you more sun sensitive. Cipro, doxycycline, tetracycline, phloxin, trimpex, silvadine, bactrim, septra, and gantrosin. Antifungals such as ancobin, grispeg, and bifed can do this. And common antihistamines for allergies can make you more sun sensitive. Benadryl, Claritin, Zyrtec, Phenergan, Periactin. Some estrogen supplements and oral contraceptives can do this, especially if you're just starting to take them. And medications for psychosis can do this as well. Prolixin, Melaril, Compazine, and many medications for the treatment of skin disorders such as acne, rashes, and vitiligo will affect sun sensitivity. So do check the labels on those. And remember that herbal supplements can also affect your sensitivity to heat. Check with your practitioner if you are on an herbal regimen to see if any adjustments need to be made. Now, again, while I've listed a lot of medications here, it's not a comprehensive list. 
and do check with your doctor or pharmacist to see if your medications might be affecting you and what precautions you should take. And please, please don't make any changes on your own, not at any time, but especially not during a heat wave when your body is more vulnerable. Now, another critical medical issue to consider is if you're someone who's using any medical devices that need power, please have auxiliary power sources on hand. Power failures can be very common in heat waves. There are a lot of power failures where I live in the woods and I have a battery storage pack that I got at a store that sells camping supplies. I keep it plugged in when the power is on and if the power goes off, I can use it to plug in any electrical device. It's great for powering my phone and computer, but it'd be great for you for your medical device as well. And it even has a solar panel that I can use if the power is out for a long time, and then I can recharge it from sunlight. I'll post that unit on my website if you're interested. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll have a lot more strategies for beating the heat. This is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Healthy Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. So let's talk about strategies for getting through the heat based on what we've discussed. Many things we know intuitively. Stay cool by wearing natural fabrics such as cotton and linen instead of synthetics that hold in the heat. Choose a cooler hairstyle for summer. Wet your hair from time to time or take a quick cool shower when needed. Maybe get a little kiddie pool for your children. It's great to be prepared in advance. If a heat wave is coming, stock up on fruits and vegetables. Make sure that you have enough of all the vitamins and minerals that I mentioned. I like to put lots of water or herb tea in the refrigerator so it can cool me down when I need to. Two of my favorites are mint and hibiscus. Ice mint tea is cooling and refreshing, and hibiscus actually helps to lower blood pressure if that's something that would be helpful for you. Remember that ginger tea is diuretic, so that might not be one to have at this time. And also avoid warming spices like cinnamon. All fruits and vegetables are great, and especially good are the ones with high water content. Watermelon is called that for a reason. Melons in general are very helpful, and cucumbers are great too. I'll put bottles of water in the freezer. I just pour out a little of the water so they're not completely full since ice will expand. Then if I'm going out, I grab the bottles and I put them in my insulated picnic bag. And when I'm running around in the heat doing errands, the ice melts and then I have icy water on hand to drink. If I get really hot, I can cool myself down fast by putting one of the bottles on the back of my neck, the base of the skull. That's where we have the part of our brains that controls 
our automatic functions, our autonomic nervous system, those functions like heart rate and breathing. And it gets our bodies to cool down and calm down fast. Now, I know that summer is synonymous with barbecue and a cold beer, but when it's really hot, standing by a hot barbecue might not be the best idea. And alcohol actually pulls water out of our body and makes you feel hotter and makes you more dehydrated. And while it may feel good going down, it's going to make you feel worse later. Sugar will heat you up too. It's pure fuel for your body. So reducing sweets and having more fruit will help. I know ice cream is a summer staple, but the sugar and the high fat content will really heat you up. Caffeine also accelerates the heart rate and increases metabolism. So keeping that to a minimum, especially if you have heart issues, is really helpful. A cold soda with caffeine and sugar will not cool you down. And the high acidity of soda will stimulate your sympathetic nervous system, raising your heart rate and blood pressure too. Now, you may say, well, those are all the fun things of summer. You're such a buzzkill, Dr. Camille. And I say back, it's just a few days or a week. And if it makes a difference between life and death, then you'll still be around to have ice cream next week. This is a great time for lots of fruits and vegetables. Smoothies are great, lots of hydration and fiber and potassium. And I would just avoid the, the, the smoothies that have a lot of sugar, like peanut butter and chocolate and all that stuff. Stick to the fruits, have vegetable smoothies too. And the vegetable soup that I mentioned earlier, that's really great. The extra fiber in the fruits and vegetables is so important for maintaining proper elimination. It's so easy to get constipated in a heat wave, especially when it goes on for days. And that can make you feel hotter and it makes it more difficult for your body to get rid of toxins. Your liver and your tissues will push out more toxins than usual because of the increased blood flow. So you want to make sure you get rid of them and all the fruits and vegetables will help. On that note, I do advise my own patients to pull back on detoxification supplements during heat waves. Not only is the body already dumping toxins because of the increased blood flow, but your body is already being challenged enough. It doesn't need any increased burdens on the system. Now, of course, check with your practitioner first. I don't want to interfere with any regimen that you might be on. Now, by the way, did you know that detoxification is best done in summer weather? Spring, summer, and early fall take advantage of the warmth. I've seen many people be successful with detox programs in the warmer months and then repeat that same program in the winter and have it backfire on them. The body pulls its energy inward in the cold weather. Microcirculation is reduced and winter is more the time for nourishment and keeping the immune system strong. It's not the time for challenging the immunity with a detox regimen. Just a side note, something to consider. Now, in heat waves, also avoiding inflammatory foods is important. Food with lots of chemicals can create inflammatory reactions, and that can make you feel hotter. As always, I recommend real food. What else can we do? Well, over the long term, focusing on your cardiovascular fitness is important. The stronger your heart and vessels, the less vulnerable you'll be. So while that may not help you this week, it's incentive to get in shape for next time. So focusing on cardiovascular exercise, on cardiovascular supplements like CoQ10 or L-carnitine or ubiquinol, um, watching your cholesterol, all those things that um, keep you heart healthy um, are going to make a difference. Maintaining a healthy weight can help. The more excess weight we carry, the more heat we build up in our bodies, but we only have so much skin surface to release the heat. So if you feel that you do tend to be hotter than other people in the room, the physics of the situation really does bear that out. What else can we do long-term? Well, one thing is we can weatherproof our homes. 
Solar panels can block the heat coming through the roof, as well as provide extra electricity for cooling without the electric bill going crazy. We once again have great tax incentives to help with purchasing that. You can also add more insulation to your home. There's heat reflective exterior paint for your house. And if your windows are old, you can replace them with the newer ones that not only will have tighter seals and keep the air conditioning in, but will also block some of the heat radiation from entering your home. And if you do have air conditioning, you can get booster fans for the ducts that help you circulate the cool air better. Replacing appliances with more energy efficient ones can reduce the heat that the old ones generate. Consulting with an architect who's knowledgeable about energy efficiency can let you know about newer options, and they'll probably know a bit about tax incentives as well. Or if you're handy yourself, even just looking around your local building supply or hardware store can help you find options that you might not have been aware of. If you rent your home or need less expensive options, increasing shade wherever possible is helpful, and you can disconnect unneeded appliances so that they're not generating heat. And you can be prepared with mini personal fans that will cool you without too much energy expenditure. There are even battery-operated ones that you could use at your desk or when you're outdoors. And if you don't have any other options, there's usually somewhere cool you can go. There are cafes and libraries and movie theaters. Many churches and community centers will welcome you in the heat, and most cities and towns now have cooling centers where you can even stay overnight when the heat is dangerous. Please do take advantage of these options. I hope the strategies we've talked about today are helpful for you. I truly hope that they help you feel more comfortable and maybe even save you or one of your loved ones during this time. It's so important that we stick together, that we look after each other and check on each other. We really need each other. This has been Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Healthy Wealthy You. Have a question but weren't able to get on the show today? Join us next week and call in. Until then, hold that inspiration.